0: On Wednesday, October 19th, 2016, Annie Schmidt, daughter of John Schmidt, famous for his piano playing in The Piano Guys, and Michelle Schmidt, was reported missing. Over the next month, hundreds of people and search dogs embarked on what became an ordeal that gained national attention as the search for Annie unfolded. This three-part series includes interviews with Annie's mother, Michelle. I'm dumbfounded at the support that we received the woman who found Annie's body, Lydia McGranahan. So I showed up that Sunday
1: morning, and during those two days, I could hardly focus on anything else other than gotta find this girl, gotta find this girl.
0: And another participant who was key in helping to find Annie, Marty Newey.
1: Everyone that was there, I think, was there for a reason and somehow was prompted and was part of a big jigsaw puzzle where we, where we all had our individual little pieces.
0: This series starts out introducing Annie and Lydia, the woman who found her. And we jump into the inspiration that brought a woman who had no idea who Annie was into the search in the Columbia River Gorge. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story Podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Story Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Annie was reported missing on Wednesday, October 19th after her mother arrived at her apartment to go on a camping trip and found out that Annie had not been seen since Sunday. Her car was found near the Columbia River Gorge and search and rescue teams started looking for Annie in that area. She was from Utah but she was up in Oregon getting ready to take on a new job and she, she loved the outdoors. She was a soul who went out and loved to hike and did it on a regular basis. Michelle and John Schmidt are the parents of Annie Schmidt. And I'd like to start out, Michelle, with having you introduce your family. Tell us a little bit about you guys.
1: John and I have five children. Our oldest is Spencer and then Annie was our second. And then we have twins that are currently on missions. Mm -hmm. And our youngest, who is a junior. Where are your twins on a mission at? One is in England and the other is in the Scotland-Ireland mission. Oh, they're close to each other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's neat. So
0: when, um, when Annie went missing, you guys lived in Bountiful. Is that correct? Yes. Can you introduce us to Annie? Tell us a little about what she was like. What did she love and who was she? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, Annie was someone that had the gift to love others. She was passionate about people making friendships, she loved music, that was one of her passions, she wanted to write and she had done some writing, composing with her brother, she was registered to go to music school, she loved the outdoors, that was another passion of hers, I think hiking every day was something that was very therapeutic to her and she got really strong and in fact one time she took John with her on a run in the mountains and and it had just about killed him because she was so um, so <laughs> strong and
0: <laughs> did her love for music come from from the exposure I don't know if you're musical but of course John is with the piano guys and all of that exposure to that ongoing musician's life. Did, did hers stem from that or was it just something that you guys have in your blood or what, what all did she do with music?
1: Um, Annie was always exposed to music in our home. There was always um, music playing. John always had music on or he was practicing. The kids would dance to music and while he played, and she gravitated to it. She, when she could barely speak, in the back of her, in the back seat, in her car seat, and she said, "Made a song," and we were like, <laughs> yeah, let's hear it." <clears throat> and so she said, I, I, "Seriously, she must have been like two or something, so young, and she goes, na 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 na, na, na. Friends. <laughs> that, was song. that was her first song that she ever wrote, and um, and of course it was about friends. <laughs> of but course. She just loved it. It was, and then as she grew, she became kind of a connoisseur of music, and she would spend hours on the computer finding different music from Europe and all over the world. And she would put together playlists, And she would have a playlist for different events. Like when she'd go on a school dance, she'd have a playlist and it would have different moods for the different times of the evening. Like when people get in the car and they gather. And then after the dance, when they get in the car and then, I mean, she would just, (laughs) she was always making CDs for people and giving them to people. And she, she loved dance also, even though she never pursued it enough to get really good herself, even though she did, she did do dance too. But she uh, became good friends with different teachers, and then she was always giving them innovative music, and they just loved her music. They just depended mm. it on her to find these great new songs. And what was really fun is she would find these songs, and we would love them, and they'd become a part of our every day because she'd make us CDs. And then about two or three years later, they'd be on the radio. Oh, she had the ear. Like- Oh, my gosh, yeah. She was so <laughs> – she, she just had an ear for music.
0: So I watched um, the song that she did with her brother on YouTube. Um, it was beautiful. She had a really pretty voice.
1: Yeah, she has kind of a unique sound. And what was really fun, too, is that she wasn't scared or embarrassed mm. to to sing. At one point, she was kind of hanging out with David Archuleta, and he said, let's do a song together. And really? I thought to myself, are you kidding? You're going to do a song with David (laughs) Archuleta? And so um, they'd get together and he was showing her his ideas and she would just, and I was, you know, I was in the kitchen and they were in the other room working on music together. And I'd listen to her just sing. And I'm thinking, who dares sing to David (laughs) Archuleta? But um, it's really cute. On his latest album, he put just a little snippet of her singing one of the songs that they, they had worked on together.
0: Oh, that's neat. How I wonderful. Know.
1: Really sweet of him.
0: You know, I whenever performers have that... Um, just that thing in them where they really want, where they don't hold back, where they just can't hold back the music and they, you know, it just comes yeah. out of them and they're not embarrassed. Those are the funnest people to watch because, yeah. you know, you're just cheering them on. It's like, yeah, you know how to make that happen. It's, it's fun. That's the real, wow. those are the real musicians that are out there and want to perform. And she was one of them. Was she doing up in Oregon
1: Her oldest brother would do sales in the summer and mm-hmm. he had convinced the twins that if they went out and did some work selling before their missions they would be amazing missionaries because not only would they have a testimony but they would have like selling skills and be able to talk to people and so they had decided to graduate early from high school and go down to Texas and go with his company and do sales she had just gotten home from her mission done a a quarter of school and her brothers were all leaving and she decided she wanted to go with them so she went down to Texas with them to do sales and within a week she decided she hated it and wanted nothing to do with it but the company that she was with said we do have a position an office position but it's in Oregon And she thought that sounded so fun. She always wanted to go see Oregon and explore Oregon. So she took the sales position and went up there to work until she was gonna begin this school in music. you and she had a
0: camping trip planned and you were flying up there from utah to go hang out with her and have a weekend camping trip and that's when you found out she was missing tell us about that how did that how did that unfold
1: at first when she wasn't answering my calls and uh, she just wasn't responding i thought well she's off doing something that's very typical annie and when i got there her roommate was startled that Annie wasn't with me because Annie had been gone since Sunday, and her roommate was quite concerned.
0: Let's start with Lydia's story, which begins well before Annie Schmidt was even born. Lydia McGranahan lives in Oregon with her husband and her daughter. She's a fitness instructor, a gymnastics judge for the U.S. Junior Olympics program, and she's currently working on a memoir that will in part discuss some of the things that you'll be privy to in this series. A woman with a difficult and traumatic past, Lydia found solace and peace in nature. She spent and spends lots of time on the trails and mountains and through a set of impressions and inspirations, she was pulled into a search for a woman that she had never met, but who would end up changing her life and saving her even as she was the one to save the day in finding Annie's body.
1: My past was very difficult. At 16 years old, my mom rejected me, pretty much blamed me for everything that happened in our life, one of which she married a man that was very, very abusive. And for three years, I lived between 9 and 12 years old in what I call hell, life on hell, life in hell. And it was very, very difficult, every single kind of abuse you can imagine. When she, at 16 years old, rejected me, and said that it was all my fault. Um, I had to walk away and I had a choice to make. I had a choice to either let that kill me because rejection feels like that. It feels like it's killing you. And especially from your own mother or from a close family member. So I had a choice to let that kill me or I had a choice to turn and go a different way. And I chose to go a different way. And I found God through that and my faith has been monumental in me moving forward. Did you leave, did you move out on your own? It kicked my brother and I out at the time. He went off and was able to um, live with some other people. I had two dogs that I was not going to part with. Mm-hmm. And so I lived in my car for a while. Um, then eventually I found somebody that had a small little shack behind their house that I could live in and get on my feet. So I was working at the time and I was very self-sufficient leading up until that time. I wasn't like most 16 year olds. I wasn't going to school. I was working full time and um, I was trying to keep my mom intact because she had fallen into a pretty deep depression and she did not recover after the years of being married with her second husband. The trauma from that, I don't know if it caused her brain damage. I don't know. I don't know what, but she did not recover from that. And so I was left having to be very self-sufficient, my brother and I. So Even though she kicked us out at 16, it wasn't the end of the world. It was actually, in some ways, a good thing because I felt like I was finally able to move forward in life and go the direction that I wanted to go. And it wasn't under her. (laughs) So
0: did you stay in touch with her then? Mm -hmm. It sounds like even after you moved out that you still felt some responsibility to help her.
1: Yeah. No, after I left, I pretty much vowed as I walked out that door that um, I never want to see her again and um, she wasn't going to be in my life again she had hurt me one too many times and that was it and i haven't seen her in 25 years
0: so one of the things that as far as i understand it that you have done to find peace to find solace to connect with god and yourself is a real love for nature and you've hiked the John Muir Trail and a section of the Pacific Crest Trail in Oregon. Tell us about your experiences in nature, because it ties directly into this search of of finding Annie.
1: Nature has played a huge role in my healing. I feel like when I can when I go out and um, hike, or even you know mountain bike, or run, whatever form, snowshoe, I find that it's just a time I can be alone. Um, I can hear the voice of God like it's ringing through the trees, ringing through the mountains. And I don't know how anyone can be in creation and not really fully grasp it. There is something so much bigger, so much bigger. And it really puts my problems in perspective when I'm up on this gigantic mountain. And at the same time, it gives me a place I feel like I can grieve freely. So often people around us want to hinder us from grieving like we need to grieve. And sometimes grieving is not pretty. And sometimes it lasts a long time. And nature has been a place that I can go and grieve how I want to grieve. So if I want to swear and yell and scream, I can do that. And even though I'm a Christian girl, it's okay. God still loves me. (laughs) And so that is huge, huge important. And I can do it, you know, years after these events. And it's not that I should have been healed by now. I should have been better by now. It shouldn't hurt anymore by now. It hurts. It hurts the stuff I went through still hurts and it may forever hurt, but having that release has been valuable to me. Very, very valuable. And I come back and I'm a better mom and a better wife and a better friend when I come back and um, have had a chance to grieve like I need to grieve. And I just find so much joy. I find joy in the, the wildlife and the birds, the deer, everything is just so refreshing and just breathing in that crisp air here in Oregon. Often it's wet, crisp you know, air, but it is um, just a wonderful thing just to fill your senses with something other than that grief that can feel so heavy. Well, it all started, which is interesting because um, I didn't really have a full grasp of this memory until after the Annie Schmidt search is when I first had this memory come to me. I was actually in a therapy session to help me with some of the processing of um, everything. And this very first memory when I was three and a half years old and my family was out hiking and at this time I had a mom and a dad and a brother and me we were my mom and dad were married my brother and me and we had hiked periodically and that's where I think I first started finding that nature was a way of life when I was three and a half we had we came upon actually the first murder that happened in Olympic National Park and like I said, that memory didn't come wow. to me until more recently, and and that um, that was a time in my life that I think shaped a lot of who I was because we had come upon a man that had just stabbed a woman to death. the the fear that was around that scene and the running because the man was still there, and then the fear I was I was left for three hours in a I think it was like a ranger station with the rangers around. And as my dad went back out to look for the location and to lead the law enforcement to where they're at and the fear in my little body, I think I'd held this for so long. Later, as I tell you the story of finding Annie, that really played a part in towards the end of when I was finding her. And so I had some things definitely to deal with (laughs) that came up from my past. That's amazing.
0: that you have been involved with so many traumatic experiences out in nature. That's a little fascinating.
1: It is fascinating. and What is most fascinating of all is that I keep going back to it. <laughs> but I keep going back to it and I feel like for me, I have to keep going back because I feel like I have to in some way almost prove that I am strong. I'm strong enough and capable enough. And I think sometimes those things that feel like they should take us down and that we're not gonna be strong enough I I go back into nature and I feel empowered. When I can go out and have a successful climb, a successful hike, the success that I feel in finishing that, I think in some ways is proving to myself that nature is big and it's strong, but I am strong too, and I can conquer and I can conquer this. And so it's empowering. Mm-hmm. In a way, too, which is kind of interesting. It's, I don't always look at it that way. Usually I look at it as more of a healing kind of sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it's a place that I'm empowered. And um, these hard things in life are not going to get the best of me. <laughs> How does
0: that tie into you running into traumatic experiences out there, though?
1: I wonder sometimes because I've had it happen multiple times. And, um, right. and even now when I go out hiking, I have quite a few things in my pack because I feel like I need to be prepared. And and even just the other day, my husband and daughter and I were out hiking and a lady had her camera and she stepped off the trail. She's like, oh, I'm going to get a better picture down here. And she was on a little bit of a cliff edge. And my husband and I both looked at each other and went, oh, because both of us realized that I have been in too many times in the place of being the rescuer. And I think that does tie in a little bit to my past as well, because I felt like growing up, I was often needed to be the rescuer for my mom. Mm. And I tried to be the rescuer for my brother, and then um, I feel like, in a way, I've had to rescue myself. I haven't had a whole lot of people on, in my support system, in my family being a support system. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I've had to rescue myself. So I think that mentality of rescuing is a part of my nature. And now that I feel like I'm at a place that um, God has done tremendous healing in my life, um, I feel like now... I can go out and be that light and that help to other people. And you know what, if it means rescuing or saving or bringing closure to families, then that's okay. (laughs)
0: Okay. Okay. So this is interesting because I know from your story that, you know, you're speaking now in hindsight, but at the time, and you can take us there before this whole Annie Schmidt thing started, you had a tie with the Piano Guys, which started a Domino effect of things happening that actually pulled in pulled you into the rescue, which you were not, as I understand it, actually game for. You were pretty resistant to the whole idea. And who am I to take this on? And why would they need me? I don't know who these people are. So, you know, I, you may have at this point moved into a space of understanding of your own power and your ability to help. But at the time, it seems like but you were you were resistant to the role that you would play. Take us take us back to where you were when you were introduced to the piano guys. How that relationship with their music started, and then and then into the domino events that pulled you into search.
1: Okay, so I am in the process of writing a memoir about my childhood, and in the process of that, I've um, been up against some struggles. Very very difficult to write about my past, the vulnerability, the fear of being exposed, and. My writing was not getting anywhere and I thought maybe listening to some music would help me be able to press in and um, focus better and just maybe even a little bit of a distraction but also knowing that I need to listen to music that didn't have words because that'd be too much distraction. I put on Pandora and I just typed in classical music and I thought something you know come up and that will be fine and so I put classical music on and Piano Guys happened to be on and so i started listening to them and i began to type my story started coming out of me just in a very powerful way like i was able to push through some of the hardest places that i was struggling with and go deeper and get there and i let that music just kind of carry me and even my writing mentor commented to me as she was going over my work saying are you are you listening to any music while you're writing i said yeah i found this these piano guys and something about their music just really inspires me and I'm able to press into the hard stuff. And she goes, yeah, I can tell. She goes, there's almost like a, a kind of a flow to your music. There's like, I almost like, there's like a harmony and it's just going and keep going, keep listening to that music. And so, so I did and I kept listening to the music and, um, and it's helped pull me along. And so fast forward then about a year later, a year and a half later, and um, I was sitting at my writing desk in the morning And um, I had piano guys on Pandora sitting next to me and I was doing my writing and I just felt this um, voice come at me, not an audible voice, but a voice that was like my own voice in my head talking to me. But I knew it wasn't my own voice because my own voice wouldn't tell me to do this. But the voice said, turn the TV on. And I'm like, turn the TV on. So I kind of stopped typing and I'm like, turn the TV on. And I'm not one to watch the TV at all. Ever, I mean, I, every once in a while, maybe a Netflix, but I don't watch TV. And so I'm like, turn the TV on. Oh, no, whatever, you know, back to typing. So I went back to doing my writing. And um, then again, turn the TV on to the news. Turn the TV on to the news. And finally, it was like, I couldn't focus anymore on doing what I was trying to do. And I'm like, fine, What what is this supposed to mean? Let's just go turn the TV on. So I went and turned the TV on and I put the news on. And sure enough, it was the very end last, like maybe... 20 seconds of saying there was a missing hiker in the gorge, in the Columbia River Gorge, which is about an hour and a half from where I live, and there's a missing hiker, and she was 21 years old, and that was kind of about it. It was at the tail end, and then it went right to like a commercial or something, and so I'm like, that's weird, and I went back to my writing, and I just left the TV on, and then you know how the news sometimes will um, replay the same things, and then a while later, I hear it come on missing hiker in the gorge and i'm like okay so that time i ran because i wanted to catch the whole thing and then it said this girl named annie schmidt she was 21 um they found her car there and it had she'd been missing at that point i think it was for three days three and a half days and they found her car there so right away you know my thought was like oh my gosh in the gorge i know the gorge i hike the gorge i hike there frequently at the same time i that I was thinking, I know this place. I'm like, I, I felt an overwhelming just kind of presence kind of come over me saying, you need to go look for her. And at the same time, I had this other little voice saying, you're, you're nobody, why would you go look for her? You're not, you're not a search and rescue person. You have no right to be out there. They have real professional people out there searching. But I kept feeling like you're supposed to go look for her. And I'm like, oh, no, no. Okay, so the news went off, went back went back to life. And as I went through my day and my evening, I kept just feeling like you need to go look for her. And it was just this, this voice in my head, this feeling, this overwhelming distraction. It was a constant distraction to me. You need to go look for her, go look for her, go look for her. And I'm like, well, who is her anyways? Who is this girl? And so that evening as I couldn't sleep, I got onto the computer and I'm like, I'm just going to Google her name. Who is this girl? And I Googled Annie Schmidt and it comes up that she's the piano guy's daughter. And I'm like the piano guy's daughter, you're kidding me. And that right there all of a sudden hit me and I'm like, Oh my word, these guys have in some way, saved my life. The healing that I have gained from my writing and the freedom I've gained through writing my story of my past because of having that music of piano guys next to me and playing, I'm like, Oh my word, I need to go look for her. I owe it to these guys. You know, I need to go look for her. There were so many parts and pieces to
0: this that it was like a beautiful puzzle that was very carefully orchestrated or a tapestry that was woven. This is just the beginning. Join us next week for the events of the search, for the impressions, the dreams, and the inspirations that multiple people received as the search unfolds. We'll introduce you also to Marty Newey, another participant in the search party, who watched the story evolve, and to a communication between Michelle and her missing daughter. As always, a few parting announcements. If you haven't already, I'd sure appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and leave a review for Love Your Story. I'd also like to challenge you to send one of the episodes to someone in your life that you feel would benefit from the topic in whatever episode you choose. You can find them all on the website, www.loveyourstorypodcast.com, and choose one that you think would benefit someone that you know. The more people who know about the podcast, the more people who can join the conversations about building our best life stories of faith over fear of choice over victimhood, love over anger, and empowerment and control, rather than holding back and playing small. Share the love, people. Also, yeah, don't forget, on the website, join the 21 Day Challenge. There's a link that says, join my 21 Day Challenge, and you can get started on a fun, guided, interesting way to test out 21 different life hacks for (laughs) building your best life story. It's really set up in a way every morning, you're going to get an email that takes you back to your challenge center. Every morning, there'll be a new challenge available. These easily work into your everyday way of being because that's what they are, ways of just being that change that help you create more connection, that help you create more possibility, that help you live that best life story. So if you haven't started, hop on And go start the challenge. It's only $39, and I guarantee you're going to come away with a handful of tools that's going to change your story, that's going to help you change your story. See you next week.